You are listening to Salty Believer Unscripted, a conversation on Christian ministry and the Christian life. This episode is a continuation of a previous conversation with Mark Bradley. You can find part one of our interview on saltybeliever.com. What are the concerns we should be looking for? What what should we be hoping for? As far as, and I'm thinking more like in terms of not just for seminaries, but for the churches. Do we have, are we going to see a huge shortage of trained pastors? Are we not? Is the training still just as robust? Are these guys more serious, less serious? That's kind of what I'm looking to from my perspective. Like after they leave you, what can we be looking to in the next few Mm -hmm. years? Mm -hmm. Uh, What what are your thoughts there? Well, I know that that broadly speaking, you know, the trend is that there we've multiplied the the kinds of degrees students can earn, and uh, so the percentage of students who are taking the classic full, you know, gold standard MDiv uh, is is down from what it used to be because MDiv used to be the main degree, so there weren't even that many options, and so uh, there is a concern that I've heard President Orge even express about. You know, we need more people to, you know, all these other degrees are fine. We need people to be counselors and all those other things. But doggone it, we need people to be pastors. Let's call that call that out. And, you know, I see that trend in the Northwest as well. The, uh, you know, people being called to other things too. But we've got, we've got uh, lead pastors who are, you know, studying with us right now and lead pastors who are interested to join us. And um, we continue to to see hope in that area. So it's still looking uh, good. You're, you're thinking it's still looking, still looking. Yeah, good? I think, I think we still got, especially with the, you know, with the business model we have where we've got strong support from our state convention. Uh, it, I mean, if, if we had to just be solvent on our own, uh, our campus would probably not exist, but because of, you know, so another way to be positive about it is, uh, Jeff Forge came up to meet with the e- executive director of our state convention several years ago to say, so what do you see as a trend here? Are you guys going to keep dropping your support until it's nothing? Because I'm not sure if that model will even work. And his answer was, and Jeff's first question was, do you guys, what do you see as the role of the, of the seminary in the Northwest? Do you see a, a valid role for it? Do you value it? And and yeah, they're still valuing it to the tune of a hundred thousand dollars a year. So, but so that says the, they're still believing. I mean, that, yes. that that says, hey, we're still believing in the not just the program you're doing, but this is still a viable way to bring pastors up. I mean, this is exactly the, the headwaters of trained pastors coming out of seminaries, you know, into these mm-hmm. streams. They still see that as a valuable place, a valuable source. Exactly, which is good. I mean, that's really yeah. Okay, so let me let me shift gears a little bit. How are these students different? Like, um, you talked about some generational things, mm-hmm. but what are some specifics? I mean, obviously, you're just broad brushing here, but just sort sure. of the general trends. What's different about the young students coming up today compared to the the students who uh, are currently pastors retiring now? Right, like that, that's mm-hmm. sort of the gap. You know, they probably came up through '80s and '90s. 70s maybe as far as our seminary education and now they're retiring what what do you think is sort of different besides the obvious like the tech gadgets and i mean besides that like right right well i think i think one of the main differences would be what we already touched on of uh a higher percentage of our students are not lead pastors and don't intend to be lead pastors now than used to be the case um but 
among those who do feel called to pastoral ministry. Real quick, pause. They don't even, they don't. So you have people that are getting that kind of education, but they have no intentions of being lead pastors. Is that what yeah, I mean? Yeah, we, I just heard yes. you say. Yes, collegiate, okay. collegiate ministers, youth pastors. Um, do you think any of that's just out uh, of some fear? Do like, you think any of that's just out of nervousness or fear? Um, you know, like like those individuals will probably honestly become some, some, maybe many of the people who do go, oh, you know, now that I've done this for a bit, I'm feeling... Do you think it's like a half step that maybe wasn't as available in the past? Is that maybe could that be part of it? You know, it it could be, but my son is a youth pastor and has been for about almost twenty years now. And you know, he's sensitive to the to the narrative of oh, well, when are you going to become a real pastor? Okay, uh, he, he's, so he's called thinking this be, is it. This is what he's I'm called doing. to be a youth pastor, and okay. he intends to retire as a youth pastor, even though even though he's really developed as a as a Do you feel like that was normal in you, when your generation, the students you went to school with, the people when you were pastoring, you said you pastored. Did you feel like that was normal yeah. in your generation coming up? Well, that's like your son, like really holding ground on those things. Or do you feel like it was yeah. more the trajectory toward that lead pastor? Well, I, I think I think the older attitude was that, you know, the destination is to become the lead pastor. And so I actually have a positive take on the fact that the people are getting trained to do other things as well. Um, because I think it's a healthy recognition that, well, there's other jobs in ministry than just being the lead pastor who preaches all the time. I mean, that need training. Yes. And, and they need training. And so praise the Lord, they're willing, they want to get the training to be, a, you know, to teach really good youth lessons and, uh, yeah. and to lead their collegiate yeah. ministry, you know, skillfully and, and to teach well there and to be an effective chaplain and everything else. So like among our graduates last May, we had we had a couple of lead pastors, church planning pastors specifically. Uh, we had a couple of chaplains, one an army chaplain, another one going into uh, hospital chaplaincy. We had a guy who was a deacon in his church, but he's preparing to go international mission board uh, as a international missionary. Pretty broad spread, you're telling me. I mean, that's what I'm hearing. Nice, nice broad spread. And and we had a female graduate who's a lay person in her church, but she's ethnic and she has a conviction that uh, uh, that the particular language of her tribe she came from needs a, a more a reliable conservative Bible translation. So she's going, she went right from the MTS. She enrolled in the MDiv that told her, you got to get some Greek and Hebrew under your belt to really <laughs> do the translation work effectively. And she said, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. So she's going for it because she wants to get so, okay. uh, that language going. Mark, here's what I'm hearing. And maybe I'm, correct my statement, maybe you're correct my thinking here. Yeah. When I hear somebody, now I hear it from different lanes, okay? I, I'll hear the, the lane of the people looking for more church planters, okay? They're trying to recruit church planters. And they say, right. well, it seems like the pipeline is is empty or it's got less. And then I hear, and then I hear from people who are trying to hire, you know, to to fill these retiring pastors roles and lead pastors. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's less, the, the pipeline is empty. And then I hear from the mission organizations with sending missionaries. It seems like the, the pipeline is empty, but maybe what I'm actually hearing is each of them have kind of had seasons of fervor, you know, mm-hmm. whereas maybe now we're in a season where this is a little more spread out and everybody's feeling less, less, flow in their particular area but maybe for the kingdom maybe we have a maybe that flow is just evened out we're in a season where it's 
maybe more even instead of really popular for church planning or really popular for foreign missions or really popular mm-hmm. for the church growth. Like I think we've in my lifetime, I, I've seen those different things ebb and flow in popularity. What you're telling me is maybe we've actually got the students there. We've got the flow. We just don't have high pressure in only one area. It's more evened out. Um, so if we're going yeah, to increase the pressure in any one area, we need to increase the total flow into the whole <laughs> pipe, right? Like that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, shorthand back in the day was uh, to to talk about, are, are you called to preach? You know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so the assumption was if you're called, you're called to preach, you're called to be the lead pastor who does the preaching. And nowadays that's just not the way we talk anymore. I mean, do you have a, do you have a call to ministry leadership? Well, what what area of ministry leadership are you interested in? Well, I want to be a youth minister. I want to be a chaplain. I want to do collegiate ministry. That's, and, that's uh, interesting. That, I mean, I hadn't thought options. about it like that. Yeah, there's more options now, which I think is is in keeping with what God's really doing. It's it's been keeping with reality, but it does probably you know, uh, narrow the funnel or whatever, it narrows the, the focus a little bit or, or rods the focus instead of channeling everybody into being a pastor. But I don't know. We might be, you know, the, the positive side of it, we might be sparing some people, some having a senior pastor is not supposed to be a senior pastor. Cause That's right. Back in the day, that was the only option, you know, well, well no, you yeah. should be, you should be a chaplain in a hospital or you should be doing something different. Or like when, when one of those areas is really popular. So when I was sort of coming up through, through that, that was sort of the, you know, 2009, 10, the, the church planning thing was just gaining a ton of momentum. And so then it felt like if you weren't saying you were going to be a church planner, you're just, you're just a nobody, you know, right. <laughs> you're not even, are you even thinking about ministry? You know? So I, I felt right. that pressure and there wasn't really, I think this might be a really good thing. We're kind of, we're winding down on time and I want to make sure we get all the, since you're in recruitment mode, we'll make sure to get all that info so people (laughs) can find you. But before that, uh, one, this is a quick shot. This is elevator type stuff. Piece of advice for the person coming in or considering theological education coming in that maybe they're in, you know, Washington, Oregon, looking at your site. What's your quick shot piece of advice to that person thinking about seminary? Well, if they, you know, they need to be, very serious about their faith and uh, kingdom focus want to grow the kingdom and and they need to be committed to the word of god uh, uh you know we've got a lot of curriculum we're going to have you read a lot of books but if you don't love god's word uh what do you what do you think and what are you doing i mean you, you you're not gonna teach. love all your classes <laughs> you're not gonna love all your classes that's for sure and and you're not gonna do well out in ministry because well you can't you know you, you gotta you gotta open the word and be able to explain it and uh in a, in a compelling, insightful way. And so, you know, I've, I've had an assignment in the past where I, I gave a long quiz to students about Bible content stuff, and it was designed to do what it, in fact, did do. It showed that some students were really on the ball and knew their Bibles, and others woefully didn't, hadn't even read the whole Bible yet. Oh, no. in seminary. And, and it, oh, it no. served effectively to be the wake-up call for some of them. It was like, wow, I gotta, I gotta step up my game in just the devotion of Bible reading and and mastering the content of this of this revelation God's given us, you know. Yeah. How about advice for the guy or lady heading out of seminary? I have one more category after this, but mm-hmm. the people that are that are now graduate. So Josiah has a graduation right mm-hmm. now, or he's headed there at the time of yeah. the recording. He's going to hear this. It'll be a month later, and he's going to go, "What?" But <laughs> at the time of the recording, that's where he's at. And so, you know, what yeah. advice to graduates as they're headed out? 
what what advice would you give them? Well, to just uh, keep uh, keep in touch with with the baseline of, of your divine call. Uh, if God has called you, He will keep equipping you, and He will sustain you through the inevitable challenges. Uh, but you know, we sometimes oversell that as if as if we've got it harder than anybody in the world. Like a managing engineer has got troubles, and a right. physician oh, certainly I, got troubles. I'm convinced the ditch digger has troubles. They, I mean, well, I don't sure. sleep with a painful back like that. And I don't exactly. know. Everybody's got their troubles, just whatever they may be. That's right. And so, you know, just uh, sustain your commitment to your calling. Um, you know, you you didn't you didn't mistake that calling originally, so. So don't give up when things get tough. Come on, just uh, keep going and yeah. get get them get some more mentors if you need them and talk through things. But but stay in the game and keep going. Okay, now that now the man or woman honeymoon is over, they've been in the <laughs> trenches for a season. You know, maybe they're a decade in past. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe they didn't go to seminary originally. Maybe they did. But what's your advice to that person? I mean, they're going to be in all range of all manner of place. What kind of is the same advice? Sure. Or does anything change? Yeah, no, it's it's similar advice. I mean, again, if you're if you're in the trenches and it's getting tough, uh, well, are you called to this or not? And uh, you know, um, uh, Paul David Tripp's book, uh, uh, the uh, D- dangerous calling, dangerous talk, calling, yeah. T- yeah, talks about the risk of losing your awe because you get too familiar with stuff. I think that's a good book to reference because. You know, maybe you become too familiar with. Well, I kind of got my genre down, and I mail it in every week, and it's lost the magic. And so what? It's not making a difference, and people are nagging me about stuff. And I don't know. This is for the birds. Who needs it? Well, get refresh yourself. When when I was pastoring in Pullman, Washington, I was there seventeen and a half years. It was a university town, so there was a fresh crop of fresh crop of eighteen year olds every year, and I'm getting older. So I began to doubt myself, like, am I am I out of touch? Am I too old for this church now and everything? And so one of my recurring prayers was, Lord, I think this church might need a new pastor. And first, let's start with, can you renew me adequately, God? Make me a new, make me new in ways that, that will keep me going here. And that helped to sustain me through a you know respectable tenure there. And we saw a lot of growth. Okay, so now we're out of time. So now yeah. here's your recruitment pitch. This is the commercial time, I guess, which Good. you didn't come on knowing there'd be a commercial. I didn't even tell you what we were gonna <laughs> talking about that much, but I'm going to throw it out there for you. Um, <laughs> so, you know, just a quick little recruitment bit, how to get started, how to get in touch with you for the mm-hmm. person thinking about ministry for the first time, but also don't overlook. And I, and I know, you know, I listen to other podcasts and this always happens when we talk about seminary. We always overlook the guy who has, I had an MDiv. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I would, and then, and, and then I started thinking about a PhD or, or further school because I wanted to sharpen the saw. And it was, I actually sat down with Dr. Orge and said, What's the difference between a demon and a PhD? And like, nobody mm-hmm. ever talks about those things. So make the pitch for the, make the pitch for the person <laughs> thinking, I need theological education. I'm going into ministry, but yeah, don't yeah. neglect, come on back. Right. Like, how good, do oh, yeah, people good. go about that? Great. Well, uh, we have a variety of master's degrees for different purposes that people might have. Our shortest master's degree is only 36 hours now, so it's comparable to just like a one-year accounting degree M- someone might MTE, get. MTE, right? MTE, Master yeah. of Theological Essentials. Um, and uh, and these degrees are stackable now. So you can actually, nowadays people could graduate with and and hold more than one master's degree. You I've seen a few people do that, and I walked in and went, "Man, why didn't I think of that?" Because he's like, yeah. "I didn't know if I was going to keep going, so that got me here." 
If right. I had to hit pause, I could. I'm like, man, you're smart. <laughs> That's right. smart. Well, he's got like, all these papers on the wall. He looks like a genius. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's actually an innovation, though, in the in the crediting that they've only allowed that just in the last five years or so. So and you were probably a little too early going through your MDiv for that to work for you. But anyway, we have a, a, a variety of master's degrees for people that have a ba- an, uh, an accredited bachelor's degree. Um, but we also have uh, diploma programs that parallel each of those master's degrees. So if you don't have a bachelor's degree, but you're over 25 years old, just come on and hit seminary. And if you get at least a 3.2 GPA in your first 15 credits, you can appeal for master's by exception. And pretty much by the stroke of a pen, you become a master's student. So without think, a bachelor's degree, you can graduate with a master's. I think our listeners have heard about this because this is literally what Josiah did. He came up all through the grocery store industry, yeah, all through that direction. So he's a little older coming into full-time ministry. He's been bivocational mm-hmm. most of his life. And I encouraged him to get more theological education. He was going, I'm not going back to get a bachelor's degree. I don't have that kind of time. And then this program, I mean, it just, it, it's the perfect program for him. I mean, so anyway. Yeah. I I know, I know you've got a lot of smart listeners and and you've, you've featured books a lot on here. So I would guess you probably have a lot of people who are good self-studier people, you know, they're just, yeah, we promote that a lot here. They're reading important books and they're doing that. And that's great. There's a whole lot you can learn from that. And I never want to minimize what God's calling and the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he gives can do a lot. You know, so seminary, I'm not saying if you don't have seminary, you're not going to succeed. No, people do succeed without Wait, seminary. Let me, make the pi- let me make the pitch for you. I know it's an okay. awkward place because you're the seminary guy. Yeah, go. I'll make this pitch for you. I had a buddy. I have a buddy. <laughs> and uh, smartest guy. I mean, he really helped disciple me. Really smart guy. And he took the self just a complete self-learning. Now, I, I think everybody yeah. should be self-learning, but he didn't add sure. some other stuff. And I, who also like to self-learn and I'm doing much of that now, still yeah. went and found you know, that I needed to go to seminary, did all that. We meet later and down the road, he started going to seminary eventually. And now he was a brilliant, he is a brilliant guy, but he was never challenged to read books outside circles that he had not experienced. He was never yeah. really challenged to confront completely opposing views. And so I would argue that seminary does two things. It holds you to a timeline. Mm-hmm. And anybody who doesn't understand the value of that has not done preaching week in and week out. We like, okay, I got to figure out how to do my deal with time. And But also it presses you into things you hadn't thought about. It challenges you, yes. challenges you, even if you're really well read, it pushes you to some other publishers, it pushes you to other positions mm-hmm. and it trains you to think like that. So I think if you're not, learning how to learn and think critically on the front end, all that life study that you're going to do may or may not um, impact your learning. And people always point to Martin Lloyd-Jones. Oh, he didn't, he didn't go Mm. to seminary, Mm. but he learned how to think and learn critically as a doctor. Like he, he learned (laughs) those tools, right? So so you got, I mean, there's some real value in that. And then I would encourage every seminary student or any kind of student to keep learning. Like then apply all that stuff, but man, get oh, those. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We want people to, to be life learners, but the, the person who's completely doing self-learning uh, you can go a long way with that. But I just like to point out that uh, yeah, but you're not having an exam administered to you to test your mastery of that material. And uh, you don't probably just volunteer to write a 15 page paper that uses mul- multiple scholarly sources 
and and who who do you have to uh, read that to tell you whether it's solid or not? Right. Uh, so that some some of the uh, formal disciplines of academia uh, really do take it to a little bit different level that uh, will sharpen even more. We want to be as good a communicators as we can for the gospel. And so I like to really pay attention to people's uh, mastery of the English language and how they write and and uh, pick that apart a little bit. And it'll make your church bulletin better and your slides for your sermon and, and the content of your sermon better if you yeah, get even trained up that way. the way you're talking. Exactly. Right. Yes. Even the way you're preaching. Okay, we're yeah. totally out of time. We went way over, but thank yep. you for yep. everybody hanging with us. Uh, how do they get in touch with you if they're like if someone's going, hey, I'm really interested in talking to Mark, I guess in that case, Dr. Bradley, like I want to think about going to seminary where and how, what's your contact info? How do we do that? Yeah. So they could just, they could contact me at my email, which is just markbradley at gs.edu, gs for Gateway Seminary. Um, and they could also go to uh, just uh, www.gs.edu for the website. And if you contact me directly, but you live outside the Pacific Northwest, I can help connect you to uh, you know, our yeah, online, online program stuff. or right. or the Rocky Mountain campus, Arizona campus, right. or one of the California campuses. So we all we all help each other out. So uh, you can start with me and I'll route you to the right person. Well, that all sounds fantastic. Hey, thank you for joining me in the conversation. I feel like I have more hope. It's not just all doom and gloom. Good. Uh, and it's been good to sort of think about where maybe we're headed as a whole for the future. So thanks, Marcus. It's been really Amen. good. I, I enjoyed it. Thanks, again. Brian. Hope we can do it again sometime. All right. Thanks for listening. Salty Believer Unscripted is a production of SaltyBeliever.com. Visit the website to find more resources like the podcast you've just listened to.